Decorating Pages podcast presents production design film study. This class examines Oscar-nominated films spanning a century of cinema. Accomplished professionals in production design will explore and dissect the sets featured in each of these nominated films and will educate why they were recognized for the design of their time. This episode are the films of 2022 and are reviewed by Kim Wanup, set decorator. Hello and welcome to this film design film study. I'm so excited for everyone to jump aboard this. And I thought that I would start it off with doing the year 2022 so that it's a reference that's fresh in our minds. Uh, other episodes will include 1947, 1950, 1955, 1980. There's a dozen other years that, uh, that I've dove into with other production designers, art directors, set decorators, buyers, and we've all dissected these films to try to educate why they're the best of the best. Or maybe not, <laughs> as some of us discuss. So uh, let's dive in. I'm going to do this year in alphabetical order, but I'm going to save the winner, All Quiet on the Western Front, till last. So let's start with Avatar. So this film uh, picks up several years after the Navavi, Navai replied, repelled the RDA invasion and... Um, Jack Sully and his family are living in Pandora. Things seem peaceful, but the RDA have other plans, invading and capturing Pandora. Sully forms a guerrilla group to try to excel the invaders. It was nominated for four Oscars. Uh, it won Best Achievement in Visual Effects. Production designer Dylan Cole and Ben Proctor, set decorator Vanessa Cole, um... What a job. Now let's just look. This is their art department crew. And you can see that this took uh, a village to make. And I mean, it took this film, uh, what, 12 years? It was 12 years or something in the making. It's unbelievable. Most of it was for was filmed at the Manhattan Studios in uh, Los Angeles, uh, Manhattan Beach, California. And also in New Zealand, the budget was $350 million, and to date, it's made about $2.3 billion. It's crazy money, people. Um, this, this film is, is unbelievable. I saw it in the theater. I saw it big on screen. And um, I should say, for this presentation, I was lucky that I tapped into the Art Directors Guild presentations for their Art Directors Guild Awards. So a lot of these photos are coming from the package directly from the production designers team they put together um, for their nomination in their awards package. So here are some illustrations of uh, Return to Pandora. I mean these take months and months to get precise with the feeling of the film the um, the tone and the the colors and everything I, I mean they didn't just plop these out and then when you start to put actors into them and the scale of how these actors are going to be in there I know that these the creatures that they portray are taller than humans I believe 
Um, but there's some beautiful renderings here. And even all of the um, vehicles that they had to design. I mean, this project is massive. I know why it took so long, but my lord, this, um, it's a lot. <laughs> Being in an art department and um, you're living with these people and developing all these things over time. It's an incredible process that they went through. Here's one of their practical sets. And you could see the their lab and the dressing and then even the uh, the advanced computer screens that they've developed, all of the lighting that's built into the sets, some of the fixtures there, the flooring, um, even the details on the bottom left of just the dressing of those little bags that light up and the, the stage structure, which I have made bigger here so you can see the build of this. That's fantastic, I mean. Look at that, and they're lighting from above. They've got other sets around it. Um, beautiful sets. This is back to um, the vehicles that they have to build and integrating that with their digital process. I mean, they, they've really, the, it's a magnificent film. That's all I can say. The, I grapple with, how much digital content is there versus the the reality of the actors and the real sets and it's very hard to tell where they start and stop it's very hard that's how great this is i mean all of the features when they're in the water and digitally it's just gorgeous uh, one of the things i really enjoyed seeing here is the practical making of this this webbing and using that with the actors and and making this little world that they had it's gorgeous and I'm sure that took a long time to practically make and make part of the set uh, here is one of their other practical sets in med bay which is so you know technically advanced they want to achieve that in their design to show that this is an advanced society um the lighting that they that they have there the medical the use of medical pieces and here again is the um part of the village what takes me out of this as a viewer in design is I don't quite know where this real set is and not. I mean, it's it's apparent in a set like this. This is real. But this gets so part of the digital world that then I'm like, why did they bother building? Look at, look at how much detail is in this weaving. And it's incredible. It's gorgeous. And then to make that transparent piece there so that lighting can come through and you can get the the blue tones it's gorgeous this uh, also just showing some more of their practical pieces desks that they made tablets they had developed um yeah this desk wow i mean you know throughout the film they have to make so much because they're they're in the future and it's 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 not out there to rent so they're they're making all of this which is unbelievable and then these water, you know, scenes and 
the big tanks that they use with the actors. Again, here's more practical sets, the Sea Dragon Bridge. These were all built. It's, they're beautiful sets. I mean, look at the detail of the, even like the, the flooring and the doors and it's beautiful. It's beautiful in a sci-fi way. That's how I feel. Uh, here's another uh, behind the scenes picture of them filming in the tank and then from above. And as I said, their vehicles, they had to build all these, some of the army pieces, these tanks. Um, it's a wonderful design film. It's awesome. It's by far in a different league than the other nominees. They're, it's just a different film. And it's very hard to say one is better than the other when these films are so different in their designs and so different in their storytelling. But uh, somehow, you know, you vote and you pick one. Our next uh, film is Babylon with production designer Florencia Martin and set decorator Anthony Carlino. Um, this is a tale of outsized ambition and outrageous excess. It traces the rise and fall of multiple characters during an era of unbridged decadence and depravity in early Hollywood. So I have here that their budget was $110 million and it made uh, about $64 million to date. Nominated for three Oscars, no wins, and filmed all around Los Angeles. It's, um, uh, I have people who worked on this film that I know, um, especially prop master Gay Perillo and her assistant Julie and Casey, and I know how hard this shoot was and how demanding it was on the cast and crew. So I take that in um, a little bit when I, when I try to judge all these sets and everything, just knowing that they were, they were tight. They were really on a strict, well, a strict shooting schedule, I guess, and or just a demanding shooting schedule that made, you know, having these sets created um, hard. And look at this, look at this set. Look at all of this detail and grandness in this architecture of the time. And the size of this set is fantastic. It's, um, I mean, a huge party scene. I don't know, it's like the first 20 minutes of the film is like, or more, is in this. Um, it's beautiful. Look at the detail and, and, and seeing how the carpenters are um, fitting pieces and paint going in there, making details. I mean, it looks like it's down... At the Biltmore, it, it's so aged perfectly and, and just gorgeous, gorgeous work. Another set of um, picture to show how large this is. The bedroom that they did that there's a big scene in. I believe this is a rendering of it, but this is, you know, very much of the time of... Um, having the pictures on the wall and creating this feeling with this color scheme of the 
bold richness of you know the house being like this huge mansion which you can see this is all that they built and then extended it digitally um, and this uh, the research that goes into our projects is always amazing I mean they're showing you know LA before it was LA and look at this kaleidoscope pictures and seeing that it was all, you know, orange groves and and farming and desert. I mean, we basically live in a desert in Los Angeles. Um, I really enjoyed the scenes of them showing the the filming process back then, and just these like two wall, three wall vignettes, and them being like, one's a bar, one's a hospital, one's this, one's a living room, one ba ba ba. And then showing this, how the crew had the lights and how they just shot these pictures so quickly uh, back then. And it's true. That's, that's how they did it. And then you have like a big, you know, epic tale film. You have all of these extras and you have this, you know, the magic hour and the, and the sunset going down and getting that all on film. And the pressure of it all, that guy getting the film I've been there, <laughs> you know, you've been a PA, you got to get it now, you got to get it to set. Um, anyone who's worked in the film business can relate to that scene of that guy trying to get that film set. It's um, captured very well. Um, I love the inside of like, you know, the dressing room of the time and he's out there in a tent and he's got all of the, the nice niceties that actors uh, get when on set. Uh, here is another three-wall set showing when they started to do sound and they um, bring in the microphones and things like that. All of this history of film, I loved. I loved uh, learning all this again. I mean, I you know some of this if you study film and the process of the silence versus the talkies and, and everything and how it was such a huge adjustment for actors. Uh, this set I love. I just love how the colors of everything and the drapery and the simple geometric shapes that were designed are just fantastic. And the deco of lighting, I just love, love this set. This is a great detail that they show drawings for of um, the camera would make too much noise so they kept it in a box, a soundproof box. Um, showing details like that of the minuscule things that you have to design and build uh, just like an avatar these little things because it's not around you know this isn't around anymore or an avatar it's not being built it's not real <laughs> so um, this is amazing when they go down to this like the basement of Los Angeles uh, the block house as they call it all of these tunnels that they went through and then I believe this is a um, rendering of how they wanted to it to feel and that is the scene the scene does feel like this cave I mean then they have fire in there and no lighting and it's a gross scene but it definitely conveys some wackiness going on in Hollywood um, dressing storefronts for period even the cars the detail of the awnings the graphics on all of the windows 
this is this huge dress to get period correct for them. Uh, again, here is some of their research and then how it translated into the scene and into the set showing, you know, how people were living back then, even if this wasn't Hollywood, maybe it was New York tenants. I'm sure they took that research and implemented it into, into the story. And then you have the, the opposite. You have the, the, you know, the Spanish, um, mansion that Jack Conrad, uh, lives in. And, and there's plenty of research that supports his house and the the dressing of his and that gore those gorgeous sconces that just glow on the wall and um fabulous uh light light shades their lampshades are fantastic um here's another view of that room just gorgeous look at the floor it's gorgeous and it's not overdone but you you know they're implementing this style but it's not overdone it's not you know there's not too much in the room um, Lady Faye's bungalow I thought was a fantastic set of just getting so much red and color into the room uh, and then you, you know you see through that doorway how the hallway is, is a different shade that only her room was red and um, just beautiful and those are the plans for the room details the the millwork the, the wallpaper reference and then here I thought was interesting showing all of the uh, graphics that went into, you know, uh, when they present her as a movie star or like their movie posters are up. Um, just the style back then of all of these posters, which I just did uh, 1927 films with production designer um, Jamie McCall and we talk a lot about the posters of that day is 1927 so it is a thing back then with all, all of these uh these posters that were just fantastic and this this office Eleanor St. John's office is this is a location I have shot there um but a beautiful Moroccan style room and these gorgeous details of the woodwork casing around the windows and then um that beautiful piece of furniture that they have there the desk and everything the wood carved uh desk is just fantastic i think the whole film is done really well i, I mean the props of course are done great um but uh the whole film is done really well for me like as the film as a film i don't think people really care about hollywood as much as they used to in that that those days so maybe that's why it didn't do as well as maybe it could have but I'll watch Brad Pitt do anything right <laughs> and Margot Robbie is an angel she's she's gorgeous I would I would watch her do anything too I just think she's a fantastic actress and um yeah so next we have Elvis production designers Catherine Martin and Karen Murphy and set decorator Bev Dunn. Um, I watched this movie and I didn't like it. And then I had I rewatched it to talk about the sets, and uh, I it grew on me. I must say. And so this is the life of the icon Elvis Presley from his childhood to becoming a rock and roll movie star in the fifties, while maintaining a complex relationship with his manager 
Colonel Tom Parker. This uh, film had a budget of $85 million and made $288 million. So that's a hit. It was um, nominated for eight Oscars. And I don't think it won any, if I'm not wrong. Here is the art department, art director's um, set designer, set decorator. And um, what I found fascinating in doing the research for this versus when I watched it the first time was thinking that Oh, they went, they kind of, they probably went to Graceland and did this, or you'll see like this town in the fifties. Oh, they, they probably went somewhere in the South and found these old drugstores and whatnot. No, they built everything in Australia. This film was shot completely in Australia and they built everything, which I know uh, I shouldn't be blown away by that. I'm a set decorator. I work behind the scenes. I shouldn't be, like, fascinated by that, but I am. I think it's fantastic, and it made me like the film design-wise more, knowing all the effort that they had put into this. Um, there's, you know, going back to his roots and growing up with black music and seeing, you know, he came from a very poor side and uh i think in memphis i don't know tennessee he's from i forget um but then you know the color of when he's growing up and going into these shops which these are all builds people <laughs> this storefront now the builds in well i don't know if they were builds back in babylon that's it that that street that we just talked about i believe that's a back lot that was redressed for the error. I believe these are all built for the film. And look at all this product. Look at all this period product they had to get. I mean, that's, that's a lot. And I don't even know if, they, I mean, I know that they went into this one store, but man, you look at like all of these stores, that's incredible. This is a complete build. This whole street is a build. All of the neon is built. All of those awnings, all of, you know, everything here is a build. Um, you can see how they planned it out and built the street on that bottom picture. You can see them hanging the neon or aging the buildings. I mean, this is, it's a wonderful build. And then this, I'm sure, is a plan with the designer and the director and the first ADs going over how this how they're going to make it look bigger than it is and you can see in yellow the you know the crane shots that are coming in and the cameras um and the the flow of the cars to make it look like traffic is constantly moving down these streets it's wonderful i love seeing this drawing and and how many departments that had to go through <laughs> um the recording studios and showing elvis in these old timer recording studios and getting all these vintage pieces as a decorator that's the find that's the fun is finding all these pieces the correct ones and you know the pain the pain of not finding the correct one or it just showed it just sold on ebay now i can't get it something like that um ugh, the details are incredible there's this circus fair uh, sequence that so much effort is put into 
um, the carnival. And it's not, it's not very long shots to be quite, I don't feel like he's there. This isn't like a huge part of the movie, I feel. But look at all the paintings and the backdrops and I've done fairs. So you got to get all the, and this is period. You got to get all the merry-go-rounds and, um, it, you know, illustrating this. Look at the cars and the detail and the Ferris wheels and, um, again, showing where the cameras will be. There's the location picture of the before where there was nothing there. They're building models um, so that, you know, people like the director or the DP can get scale into their heads um, sometimes is better than looking at drawings. Yeah, there's a huge carnival um, build here and set up, put, probably put up and put down in like a couple days. Unbelievable. Now here is interesting. Here is Graceland. Now they built all this. They built all of it. Look at that. So what they did was they built the bottom half and then set extensioned the rest of it. I mean, unbelievable. Look on the mountainside and how, you know, it was built inside also because they probably had, they built the inside on a stage and had to do the reverse on some of people coming in and out of the doors. So that's why you're doing the build on that bottom left picture of the entry port. And then inside seeing the, I love, love, love seeing, you know, sets that aren't dressed yet and then seeing them dressed. I mean, it's something spectacular. That's why I became a decorator. Seeing a set undressed and then seeing the personality and the details that decorators can put into these spaces. That's why I'm here. <laughs> That's why I love my job. This is a spectacular set. I mean, I know that they're, and, and reproducing things, I feel, because I've done it, 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 there is such an importance that you want to respect the actual uh, spaces and in recreating them to the precise down detail of a crack in the mirror, you want to give that respect to the space that you are trying to recreate. And I know, um, I know these sets are done phenomenally because this team obviously has done some phenomenal work before. These, um, I, I think I read that they wanted to go into places that the, the, the tour doesn't go into and wanted to show those spaces also. So I have never been to Graceland. I don't know these, I don't know these spaces, but this, it's great. I love it. This detail of the, look at the banister, look at the, I mean, the drapery and, you know, the detail work is just fantastic. Now, this is one of the tour buses. Doing tour buses is always uh, fun <laughs> if you have something like this, but also so very challenging to if you get a practical bus and how can you do take it apart so that the film crew can get in there? Um, how are we going to light it? Or, you know, using the practical lights and um, just details that you're trying to get into these tiny little spaces. And obviously this is, you know, live workspace. He's got the kitchen and the, the makeup mirror and the, and the beds and, the, and everything. So I am sure that they recreated this. Uh, if this was real, like, 
to the T. Which is a visual final frames and on-set photography. Yeah, it's, it's spectacular. This, recreating this moment in Elvis's life, that's important. You know, this was his huge, I believe his huge, like, comeback sort of um, concert. And I don't know, you know, I, I think I read, like, it hadn't been done before in this type of setting where he was in the round. He was in the middle and everyone was around him. And it, and it was very uh, intimate design that uh, he had for this for this show. Oh, yeah, the 68 comeback special. And look at that control room. Look at remaking all of this control and getting the precise TVs and, and equipment. It's a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> this, you look at this scene and you think, oh, they went to some theater and they did this. And, and in my head, I'm like, oh, they went to that Hilton in Vegas in the th and they did it all there. It's called the Hilton. It's called the Elvis Theater, the old uh, Hilton Hotel. And they didn't. They built it. They built the whole thing. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that great? Look at all those booths. Yeah, those booths made and picking out the upholstery and getting those correct. The stage, getting the drapery and the lighting. And so, you know, there's stage, there's extension there. Look at that. That's fantastic. Look at the rug. <laughs> oh, that's great. And his hotel suite. I mean, this as a set was gigantic. And the sunken living room and the TVs, the drapery to surround all of this view of Las Vegas um, and the gold. It's so dark, though. It's so, it's so dark on film. But um, this also is one of my favorite sets in the in the in the film um, Colonel's his office. I mean, what a nut job this guy was! Like, it's surrounded by Elvis memorabilia that he eventually, I believe, owned all the rights to. But um, just creating all of these posters with the actor in them and not Elvis, you know what I mean? Um, it's a huge graphics. Uh, film just huge and um yeah i do and and i'm sure ebaying all this too was a pretty penny getting all this all these pieces together so that is the emmy nominated film elvis um and the last are we on the last film already boy this has been fun huh so production designer rick carter and set decorator karen o'hara uh, this film is growing up in post-World War II era Arizona. Young Sammy Fableman aspires to become a filmmaker as he reaches adolescence, but soon discovers a shattering family secret and explores how the power of film can help him see the truth. So, as a film person, if you're watching this, you know, this is the story of how Steven Spielberg grew up. And this is his story, directed by Steven Spielberg, um, written by Tony Kushner, one of his partners, I believe. And they, I mean, I don't think every single scene is exact, but I think a lot of it is Spielberg's uh, own story. A budget of $40 million, and uh, to date, it has made $46 million. Nominated for seven Oscar awards. It was shot in Arizona and Los Angeles. The 
art department here. Now you can see all of these other films. Much smaller art department than the Avatar. But this is, you know, these are the people that are making it happen. I uh I love I love when you have to do like fake snow and I just get really like wow I can't believe we're doing this and everybody's like bundled up and it's like you know 90 degrees in LA and there's fake snow on the ground and um I love doing the weather stuff I love I do love I sometimes I hate doing holidays but you know doing holidays and finding vintage holiday pieces that's fun that's always fun um, this garage that he, uh, you know, makes his films in and first he gets this idea cause he has this train set and he is, um, wants to make a little movie of the train, like derailing and everything. It's a really great scene in imagination and looking at a child who wants to, make something and, and build something and make it better and make the train fall out. And then his mom helps him and gets involved. And I really loved this, this scene in this aspect of like a mom trying to help her kid, you know, with his dream. And, um, here they show the models that they made for the house. Uh, this, so the house, this first house, they move, I think three times. This first house is, um, more period than the others so to make it look older than the others you'll see they get more mid-century more craftsmen and um this is still yeah still the first look at that drapery in the kitchen and the old stove the linoleum flooring um but you could see how you're decorating someone's home and the personality is there putting in family photos, um, their bedrooms, the bathroom, the hallway. I mean, every, as you know, in your home, you, you use up every bit of space. I love the color schemes, the period's color schemes in the film. Uh, but my, the favorite is his, his bedroom. His bedroom is fantastic. And these built-in shelves uh, along the wall, which were really popular back then, and the drapes are great, and... The detail work of, of him editing these films and these tiny little film canisters. It's really it's a great detail. This, I believe, is the second or third house that they have. And you could see how the 60s start to come into play. The design is more mid-century. And, and then the other house is the craftsman in California. Or I think, Well, I think he's in San Francisco. I think they end up. Um, with the mission style that they've implemented and even in the lighting, the, those beautiful shades that they have. And again, a period film with graphics and storefronts and creating this whole world. It's amazing. I love the color scheme of this, um, camera shop. <laughs> it's so great. Uh, and this, I loved, I love this girl's bedroom, um, all the Jesus and like Bobby Darren details and look at the bedding. The bedding is so fantastic. There are some bigger sets, um, in the prom scenes. There's the bigger sets of him shooting his film outside with, um, 
like in the desert and all these rocks. So that was the Fablemans. Um, I think if this film wasn't about Steven Spielberg, I don't think it would have even made its money back. I just don't, I think it's a good film. I wasn't in love with it. I don't, I don't think the film overall is anything special to me. And I would, well, we'll discuss, we'll discuss at the end. Let's discuss at the end that. Now here is our winner for 2022 production design. Production designer, Christian M. Goldbeck and set decorator, Ernestine Hipper, who you can hear on uh, the Decorating Pages podcast. I talked with her a week before she won. She was so down to earth and so humble. Um, just a, a lovely, lovely woman and so talented. And she had done tar in the same year. It was really great work. Uh, All Quiet as uh, the story of the start of World War I. A young Paul is a young German patriot eager to fight indoctrinated with propaganda at school he and his friends eagerly sign up for the army soon after graduation but when the horrors of war soon become too much to bear and his friends die or become gravely wounded paul questions the sanity of fighting over a few hundred yards of war-torn countryside i mean this film is rough to get through it's um it's rough. It's it's very uh, visual in the the hard moments of war. It was nominated for nine Oscars and won four. It was filmed in Germany, Belgium, Prague, and Czech Republic. Um, this is the third rendition of the story. It is also said to be the most expensive German film in the history of Netflix. The director used a military area and an airfield north of Prague to film the battlefield, and it was a huge mud field the size of 10 football fields. So we will get to that set. That's phenomenal. Here is the art department. Um, I know that Ernestine said she had buyers in different countries and you know, language barriers and, and just different ways to work. So I know that this was from firsthand her talking how how hard this was. And they didn't think that it was going to be best picture. You know, I looked up, I looked up the money. I don't know if I had the money. It just said most expensive. Hmm. They don't want to tell. So what is interesting in this film is, um, it's war and the color palette is all down, you know, it's all, you know, muted down colors. And, um, I think too, again, in recreating real, um, r real situations and real, uh, real rooms that would have been there. I mean, this is a rendering of the clothing room. And then you see all the seamstresses stitching up, uh, older used uniforms from men who have been killed and shot and they're, you know, they're sewing up the bullet holes to pass this wardrobe on to the new guy who's going to put it on and wear it. Uh, I love looking at the renderings versus the reality. 
and um, even the windows back there, how dirty they are. And, and I asked her about getting all of these sewing machines. And um, it was a feat. It was a feat to get them all. You're also looking at building uh, old pieces. And so when you, you're building old pieces and then you have to age them and make them look worn. I mean, she had a lot of things that weren't new. So even if you had to build something, you have to make it look not new. Uh, I believe this is a rendering also. And then this is the, the set that shot. I know that a lot of the buildings were there and then they built onto them and or, you know, enhanced. Like I'm sure if this was a building, maybe just putting down those, um, the wood on the windows or this whole, this whole piece here of the Warfield, this is a rendering. This is a rendering, but then this is the reality. It's fantastic. I mean, the detail of building out the trench with all of the wood planks and then making the wood ladders and all the, look at these sandbags. And she had to get all of that barbed wire. She tells a fantastic story about producing all this barbed wire that's fake because, she, you know, you, you don't want the actors to actually get hurt on this. And so um, she has a great story about that on the on the podcast. But the deep, it looks like, oh, they just built a trench and then like, that's all on construction. But no, look, all the barrels and then pieces laying around and boxes and the ladders and just boxes on the wall, on the wall back there. Um, there's a tremendous amount of detail in this. It's, um, really unbelievable. And then they had, you know, the, the scenes in the rain and, and pulling the water out of there. And all of the fight scenes that they had to do through in, in these and the bullets and, you know, showing war literally in the trenches. I think this is one of my favorite. This is the rendering. And this is the reality of the, um, the French. The, it was like the French trench that they got into and the, you know, they go, they immediately start eating their bread and their cheese and everything. Um, but that's a detail, you know, these are details I'm sure in research you find. Uh, they had some flour, they had a couple pots, they had some plates, some makeshift tables. I mean, if this is done in research and then look at even the, the um, fabric used above, how great that is. This is a rendering of their little village. This is one of the, the bunk places that they would sleep and then... This is one of the sets coming from there. And again, the um, finding all of this old vintage stuff. I don't know in Europe. Maybe it's maybe they got good prop houses or it's a plentiful. I don't know, but it's it's a lot. I wanted to show too some details of some of the graphics that they had just in the background, and then this whole set down here, the weapons factory. And it's only, it's not on screen very long, but look at the detail of the, of the, the big, um, missiles. They're not missiles, bombs. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, they're, it's a weapons factory. They're making bullets there. This, um, just an unbelievable thing of all the, the clothing hanging 
the hospital that they did, um, candlelight, all of the textures on the walls, getting all these little cots and bedpans and side tables. This detail is fantastic of, you know, people, the soldiers raiding houses and then coming out and um, finding some wine and some music. Uh, the, when they go into the general's uh, rooms and everything and how different they're living, I mean, they're living normal lives. So, you know, they're at the dinner table, they're at the dining table in your big house. The train is unbelievable to me. This train set, the detail and the curtains and the lace and the upholstery and the etched glass that they used. Look at that. Look at that. Uh, like oh, the drapery with the tassels and the sconces and the, the, the carpet. It's just a beautiful space that they, they turn. I think they flipped that. They might have flipped this room, maybe, to be this meeting room. Maybe not. But um, look at the dramatic difference of the shades, but still this huge table in this train car. It's awesome. And then this photo showing, like, the build of the train car. And you can see the backing on the side and how they lit it. Um, here is that. Here's that field, the 10 football fields that they used to make the ditch. And here, look at this, the, the front line. This is how they um, built it and then had cameras, you know, day three, day scene 28. I mean, you really have to plan out scenes like this for it all to work together. And I'm sure there was a huge collaboration with director and designer and decorator on this. And there's the the film crew, and then um, I mean, could you imagine? You gotta you gotta dress all of this. You gotta you gotta dig all this out. You gotta get construction in there. You gotta dress it. You gotta age it. You gotta get it muddy. It's unbelievable, and um, that's why it's the winner, I think. So, in a recap of the films. I would have to say that I do think that All Quiet on the Western Front, to me, is the winner. I know that Avatar is a different kind of film and a different kind of design, and I wish it could be in a different category. Um, because I know that the years it took, and they're developing new kinds of technology to design for that. So it should be awarded. But I feel that the detail work and everything that went into All Quiet, um, I would have voted for All Quiet. As I started to get into, I kind of think the weak link in these, just in this cat, you know, just, you know, in this, this little party, is the Fablemans. It's done exquisitely well. There is no, no doubt about it. Every detail is great. It's just a different, it's a period film that is a lot more residential, I guess I should say, or doesn't have the big sets that these other films do. 
Um, to me, I think Black Panther, uh, what is it, Wakanda Forever, I feel like that might have been overlooked here for production design in this year. Um, I just don't think that when you consider the builds on All Quiet, um, the unbelievable breakthrough designs of Avatar, the amount of sets in Babylon and you could say Babylon was, you know, residential too, but look at the big outside builds that they had um, and the sheer, like, uh, choreography of the sets with the, with the dialogue. That, to me, is like, ugh. And Elvis, I gotta say, Elvis, that's big. That was, there were a lot of big builds in that. So, to me, I, I understand why those were nominated. I, I mean... I'm just saying, I think Black Panther might have been a really close one. <laughs> I think it it might have been just shy of voter two, I think, in uh, being nominated for this year. But these films are often, I wish, hey man, I wish I could have been a PA on any one of these. <laughs> I think these are phenomenal films and congratulations to all of these people for getting nominated. Um, but I hope you enjoyed this episode uh, as much as I did in re-watching these films and, you know, dissecting them with the design eye. And uh, again, just uh, I'm releasing them. I'm sure they're all out at this point, maybe. Um, but great years of cinema, 1950, 1975, 1993. I mean, I got a lot going on. So I hope you enjoy. <laughs>